Hello, Pixel Peeps. Welcome to Images Everything with your host, the Pixel Pimp himself, Rav Holly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Images Everything. I am your host, Rav Holly. Thanks for joining us here. It is the uh, morning of Thursday, November the 13th, 2014. I want to welcome you to the show. If you're just joining us, if this is the first time you've ever listened to us, glad to have you with us. On this week's episode of Images Everything, I'm going to be talking a little bit about just moving the podcast. That's right. We move the podcast from one service to another, one server to another, uh, one podcast hosting company to another. And we now actually have a new website where you can actually find find the podcast so you don't actually have to go to Stitcher Radio or iTunes to get the podcast. You can go directly to our podcast website. Uh, after that, we're going to talk a little bit about international ad campaign I just worked on exactly one week ago. Last Thursday and Friday was working on uh, this ad campaign. The first day that we were there, which was Wednesday when everybody was coming in, they were actually having a memorial because where we were shooting was actually the exact same place in Mojave, California, where the Virgin Galactic airship had just crashed. So it was a very somber mood. They were having a memorial and... uh it was kind of uh, it was kind of sad those first days that we were getting there to location. After that, uh, I'm going to talk about Sunday. This following Sunday after that shoot, I did a shoot with my second shooter, Jung Kim. He helped me out tremendously, but him and I faced a major obstacle in a wedding that we shot in Long Beach, California, uh, because this uh, this venue was outdoors. And it was after 5 o'clock because of the time change. So it actually gets dark here about 5 o'clock now in Southern California. So we basically shot this wedding in the dark. Not a little dark, a lot dark. So I thought I would uh, go over some of the challenges we ran into with that shoot. And uh, second order of business, we're going to talk about the new Sigma line of lenses, the art series lenses. They're making quite a stir in the photography world, and Sigma has really come up with their new prime series, their new prime art series lenses. And last but not least, I'm going to talk a little bit about a video that I saw that was uh, posted on SLR Lounge. And it's a new series called Behind the Glass. And the episode that I watched was with uh, director of photography for Sports Illustrator Brad Smith. And in that video, he's going to give you some great pointers on uh, how to get your work seen, uh, things to do when you're getting your work seen. Uh, should you email? Should you email links to your portfolio? Should you set up face to face to get in there and talk to these art directors or these uh, editors? There's several good points that uh, he points out and he gives you several good pointers. So I really recommend seeing the video. So anyway, if you guys are ready, I'm ready. So let's do this. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Let's go.
All right, guys, welcome back to Images Everything. And uh, first order of business this morning is going to be uh, I just moved the podcast from one hosting company to another hosting company. Uh, we moved it from Lipson to Podbean. Uh, reason being is, well, the reason I went with Lipson to begin with was the simple fact is I guess they've been around one, they're one of the longest running podcast hosting companies and some of my favorite podcasts are actually hosted on Lipson. Uh, the podcast answer man, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, I believe is, uh, hosted on Lipson. So, uh, they've just been around for a really long time and, uh, they just kind of seem like the one to go with. Uh, my good friend Jose, who actually uh, was a guest on his podcast, and he kind of inspired me to go ahead and get mine up and running. And uh, he was using a company called Podbean. And I kind of looked into it a little bit, but I just didn't think uh, that they had the longevity of Lipson. So in the long run, I actually chose Lipson. And I regret that now because I have seven episodes. This is going to be number seven episode, and it's going to be the first episode that we're actually loading directly to Podbean. I actually just spent uh, all the time of getting everything transferred over from Lipson to Podbean. For the next month, you will be able to, or, or for the rest of this month, you will be able to find, you can find our episode still on, uh, uh, still on Lipson, but uh, they will be eventually uh, moved over to Podbean. So, um, I mean, all, all the episodes have already been moved, have transferred to Podbean, but you can still find them on Lipson or Podbean. So uh, there's still some work to do with going back through blog posts and stuff like that and changing the encoding and stuff to the new player for Podbean because those episodes will probably go dead after we cancel uh, our account with Lipson. Um, I just, man, I, I, I liked Lipson. It was very simple. It was very straightforward, but the, uh, their actual website, uh, and the, <clears throat> I know they just updated, it, upgraded it, but the, the, um, their website is very antiquated. It seems very old, very outdated. And, uh, I looked at Podbean and man, it's just so much more user friendly. The interface rocks. I mean, it's so much more like what you're used to finding today. And I guess Lipson has been around for 10 years and, uh, they just really haven't stayed up with technically wise with what you expect to find in a website today. When you have so many websites out there like Squarespace and stuff like that are making things very user-friendly for uh, with their interfaces, you know, that's kind of what you expect. And that's exactly what you get with Podbean. And it's not really what you get with Lipson. And the other thing was it's, gosh, it's, it's, uh, if you pay by the year with Podbean, it's $8 a month for their unlimited audio storage and uh, <clears throat> their uploads in Podbean is, I mean, Lipson is 15. So you're saving big money there. If you pay by the month, it's just, it's $10. It's still $5 cheaper than Lipson. And the difference, is, the other difference is, is with Lipson, you get 250 megabytes of, uh, of storage space per month. Well, as long as I kept the podcast to exactly one hour, I never even, I was, I was, I still had a little bit of space left over. So, but it always made me worry when I had a guest or something and we started running over, I really started having to wrap it up quick. Well, the difference now is with Podbean for $10 a month, they give you unlimited everything. You get unlimited audio across the board. So why in the world Lipson hasn't jumped on that? I have no idea. Suppose you know, they've been around for 10 years. I guess they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary. But why they would be limiting people to 250 megabytes of storage space per month? Now, every month that that gets renewed. So, but still, uh, you know, you're limited to what you're going to put on there. So if you wanted to go over on a show or something, you know, you're going to go over your storage space. So I, I just decided to get, to do away with that completely. Uh, it was, um, it seemed like a daunting task to move 
the the podcast. It's one of those things where I actually stopped and thought about it a little bit, and I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to do get into all of this. Uh, I almost just decided to stay with Lipson and uh, keep my podcast there and just stay with him and and just keep dealing with the uh, you know with the the data restrictions and you know the data space restrictions and uh, stuff like that. But I just finally made my mind up that, you know, I might as well just bite the bullet and get it done. There was so many advantages to Podbean. I literally cannot tell you how happy I am with the advantages. And the other thing is like Lipson gives you, they give you like this little website uh, that hosts your, uh, you know, little webpage that has all of your podcast on it. I mean, it, it looks like something from, you know, the 1990s. I mean, it's just, there's nothing to it. And Podbean gives you a actual, a whole website. I mean, it looks like a real web page and it'll have every single one of your episodes on it. So you can literally go to, uh, our new, uh, website for the podcast, which is ravholly.podbean.com. And you will find, uh, you will find our webcast there or all of our web episodes there. Uh, and, uh, I, I couldn't be happier with it. I mean, the webpage is very nice. It's very laid out. I was able to, to uh, integrate all of the design. So it looks, you know, it looks across the board, which is stuff that you can't do anything with. You know, they give you a template in uh, Lipson, and I had just found that. I didn't even find those initially uh, when I was working on my uh, podcast that you could actually change the template for your, but the templates are still so antiquated and so outdated. So Podbean, I'm really... Uh, you know, I haven't uploaded a show yet. This is going to be the first one. As soon as I finish this show, it's going to get uploaded to Podbean. I hope I'm not shooting myself in the foot, but uh, so far I'm really, really, really happy with moving the show, taking the time to move the show and moving the show to Podbean. It really seems like it might be worth the the effort uh, that we put out, that I put into doing it. So anyway, uh, that's going to I guess that'll touch base on uh, all of that stuff, uh, moving the, uh, moving the podcast. Uh, I'm still going to be doing the blog, uh, you know, writing the blogs out and stuff, but you know, I almost don't have to do that now that we've, uh, got the webpage for the podcast, but I think I'll still stay with it. Uh, see what happens. Uh, and the next order of business, let's see. Oh, uh, last week at this time I was in Mojave, California and I was actually working on a national ad campaign. <clears throat> Excuse me, the biggest national ad campaign I've actually, I've actually ever been privileged to work on. And uh, I was kind of brought in as not, I don't want to say director of photography, but I was definitely brought in as a consultant. Um, it was my client being shot by another photographer that wasn't completely uh, sold on uh, the photographer. So I was brought in just to, uh, kind of delegate or not delegate, but negotiate. So everything kind of went smoothly. Um, and I was working with a German photographer from Germany. Uh, his name is Alex Babick. And I was very, very nervous going into the, uh, going into it because, you know, I mean, I'm a photographer and I'm not sure how I would feel about another photographer coming up on my set on my big, uh, international ad campaign and, and kind of, uh, you know, giving, uh, this and that, and this needs to be done this way. And this needs to be done that way. And I just want to say that it was an absolutely amazing experience, amazing, uh, collaboration. Uh, Alex is just the consummate professional and, uh, him and I actually hit it off and, um, I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant photographer and I was just honored to be on his set and honored to, uh, be able to collaborate and work with a guy. I think we really got some amazing images and, uh, that was the, that was the goal. It was, you know, it was a huge production. I can't really say much too much about it because it's a, like I said, it's an international ad campaign. It will come out next year in 2015 and, uh, you know, it was a lot, a lot of money spent on this photo shoot. So it was the company that I was doing the photo shoot for. I'm actually a huge fan of their products. I can't afford too many of them, but I'm a huge fan of their products. 
and uh, so I really believe in their product, which makes it uh, all the more fun for me. And uh, as far as photo shoots go, this company puts out probably just as much money as anybody does. <clears throat> Excuse me, as anybody does for a photo shoot. They're an international brand. Uh, they've been around for gosh over a hundred years. And when it comes to their photo shoots, they, uh, they spare no expense. They do it right. Uh, they had, uh, amazing crew there. I get to work with a uh, producer who was, uh, just absolutely amazing. I actually got to work with producer, uh, Lara, Lara Ravji. Uh, so our names are a little bit similar. Her uh, last name is spelled R-A-V-D. J-E-E, Ravji, and uh, she got her start uh, back in like 2002, 2003, working for uh, Silver Pictures, so, uh, you know, she's worked on some major, major motion pictures, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to get to work with her, and I really, really hope I get to work with her again on another set, because her set direction was impeccable. The crew was impeccable. I mean, they were on top of things. Uh, when you work on these big productions like this, a lot of times you can be around a lot of people that just are tired. They don't want to be there. They just don't act like they're having a good time doing things. And uh, this set was not like that at all. It just really ginned along like clockwork. Everybody was happy and upbeat and was excited about what we were doing and what we were creating. And man, that just made it flow so smoothly and made it just a lot of fun. I had so much fun. You know, it was just uh, such an amazing experience. Like I said, it was it was the biggest ad campaign I've ever been on, you know, and, and uh, initially, you know, it was one of those things where I was a little envious because I wish it would have been my ad campaign. But, you know, it's funny, like how things work, how the universe works for you. Uh, you know, I was really um, having a lot of apprehension of working on a set under another photographer or with another photographer collaborating. I didn't want to offend him by uh, being brought into his set. Um, I was also working with the president of the corporation of this company who I'd met on three other different occasions, a couple of times in Paris, one time in Rome, I believe. But I do know that a couple of times in Paris, I met him and I can tell you he was, he's, he's, uh, didn't seem like he liked me very much. Let's just put it that way. Uh, kind of got the cold shoulder, if you know what I mean. So I was really, uh, apprehensive. I knew he was going to be there and I knew he was going to be in charge of this con- entire production. It was going to be his baby. And, uh, so I was very intimidated, a little bit intimidated going into this production, knowing that I just didn't have a very good feeling about him liking me very much. So I was really worried, worried about, anything turning negative because I try to stay on a positive playing field. I try to stay in a positive frame of mind, especially when you're creating art, you got to keep it positive. So I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I didn't want to, you know, anything that could go that way. So I was really uh, a little bit apprehensive on working on this photo shoot, even though I was very excited working on this photo shoot and the opportunity and the things it could bring as far as future opportunities. But again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was intimidated because I don't really get intimidated, but I was very apprehensive and, and actually somewhat worried about how it would go and you know how these things go sometimes. I mean, all of my people, all of my, uh, all the group members and my friends that are in photo junkie on Facebook, the Facebook group photo junkie, they were so nice to me and they really like, uh, they really offered me some words of encouragement because I had posted a couple of things in there uh, talking about kind of how worried I was of uh, how things might go or how things might go wrong. And uh, man, those guys really gave me some inspirational uh, pep, you know, a little pep talks. And uh, I couldn't think, I can't think of them enough because it really helped out. Like Wayne Wright, uh, he was brand new, he was brand new to the group and uh, he came right in and, and uh, like just, you know, gave some great advice and, uh, and I was 
so, so appreciative of it. It really, uh, it really helped change my mindset and, uh, gave me the confidence, you know, gave me back my confidence, which is, you know, I'm a very confident guy, but it was kind of weird for me to get into that weird space. And it was really nice to have that support system there that, you know, that photo group offers you. And that's what I love about that photo group and the guys in there, even though there's a lot of us with big egos and stuff. And, uh, when it comes down to it, we're all just, uh, we're all just a bunch of photographers trying to make a, trying to make it, trying to make it work. So, um, when it all came down to it, it actually ended up working like clockwork. Um, the shoot just went absolutely amazing. I think, uh, the, the president of the company I was talking about that I don't think liked me very well when I, it's funny when I first got there and I first arrived on set, there was some miscommunication, uh, of what time I was actually supposed to be there. So I had been told basically show up because it was a three hour drive. Uh, my, that I'm talking to you from the desert compound in Joshua tree, California. So to go to Mojave is a good three hour drive. It's a little, it's over a hundred miles. It's a hundred and something miles. So it was a three hour drive. So I drove the distance up there and, uh, I had just been told, you know, basically get there when you get there. Well, I decided to go directly to the hotel and uh, check in and drop my bags and stuff off, which was in Palmdale, California, which is about another 30 minute drive to the actual, uh, shoot location. So I went to the hotel, dropped everything off, started trying to get a hold of people. And, uh, then I get a hold of, uh, a contact and the contact says, uh, Oh, uh, you, you were supposed to be there at two. Well, it's three thirty and a 30 minute drive. So I'm not going to be there at four. So I was like, okay, well I'll go right now. So I took off and went up there, uh, the day of rehearsal and, and I got there and I walk up and, and I see, um, the president of the company, he's standing there. And so I was like, Oh boy, here we go. And so I just walk up and, uh, I was with Laura, who is the producer and she went to introduce me and to, um, the gentleman's name is Ben. And he looked at me and he goes, Hey, Rob. And I said, and he recognized me. So I was like, Oh, well, that's good. At least he recognized me. I said, yeah, yeah. I've met you. And I met you in Paris. He's like, yeah, I remember you. And so, uh, we, uh, we shook hands and then Lara kind of, you know, went on her way cause she had other things to do. So there was kind of like a little uncomfortable silence there for like a, probably a good gosh. It seemed like an eternity. It probably wasn't more than five minutes, but it, it really seemed like 15 minutes, but I don't really think it was 15 minutes, but we just kind of stood there and there was kind of an uncomfortable silence because I didn't know exactly what I should talk to him about or what, you know, he was going to want to talk to me about. And then finally he initiated conversation by showing me, um, you know, kind of what they were looking for as far as the shot list. And, um, you know, it just, it just kind of broke open from there because I started giving them some ideas I looked at their lighting setup that they were using because they actually had a, they actually had a stand in, uh, for a rehearsal, which was this day. There was actually a stand in talent and I could look, I looked at the whole lighting setup that they were using and, and basically said that that was not going to work for the, the talent that they were going to be actually shooting the next day. And, uh, so I basically, uh, uh, when I said that, uh, we actually got Alex over, introduced me to Alex, who's the actual primary photographer. And I basically gave him the lighting scheme, the lighting diagram of how probably he could light the set to make everything flow and make everything work. And, uh, I wasn't sure he was going to take my advice because I was basically there just to kind of give advice and, uh, you know, see how it went. So I didn't know what advice of mine they would take and what they would, you know, just throw out the window. So I basically gave him my whole lighting setup of how I would set the lighting up. And, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised when I came back the next day and the lighting was set up exactly like I had, uh, like I had suggested. Now, one thing, you know, uh, that was different is what I do a lot of times they were shooting back plates and all that stuff because, uh, all these things are going to be done in composition. So they had, you know, lighting set up for the back plates and then lighting had to be readjusted and set up for talent. So that was different. So I really didn't see, uh, I didn't see how they shot 
uh, the light or how they set the lighting scheme up for the back plates. But that really wasn't my concern. But uh, other than that, it just it just went great. And uh, I think when we wrapped the shoot, I know I know uh, the president of the company, he admitted to me uh, that he was very nervous. He was very worried. Uh, and I told him, you know, I kind of reassured him that we were going to do, you know, we were going to make it happen. It was going to be great. And uh, I, I really <clears throat> the ma- the amount of pressure that he's under, I can really uh, I really, you know, you don't stop sometimes and think, you know, because there was thousands of dollars put into this photo shoot, thousands, thousands of dollars. So it's all riding on the president of the company. If it doesn't come out well, you know, people are going to be looking to him. So it all kind of falls on his shoulders. So, you know, I really wanted to do anything I could do to make sure that we really got, you know, exactly what they wanted. And some of the things that were different, you know, uh, working the, the set was all European or there was a mix. It was a lot of, uh, Germans, uh, Alex, the primary photographer, he's from Germany. And, uh, so you had a big mix of Germans, uh, Parisians, a lot of people from Paris, the entire video crew is from Paris. They had a huge professional video crew out there. They had a, they had a $30,000 drone, a drone, uh, flying around the set, uh, with the new GoPro black, that does, I guess, the 4K in it. So they had one of those flying around the set. They literally had probably another five or six guys running around the set uh, filming. They had, uh, and those guys were using the Canon DSLRs, and then they had a guy who had, it's not the Steadicam, it's not a regular Steadicam rig, but it's the one that it comes up over your back, and it's and it puts the camera on a harness or on a, on a line, uh, to make it less, uh, heavy. And, uh, he was shooting the, I don't even know what Canon that was. It's not the DSLR. It's the regular video camera. So an X used to be like an XL or XL one or something like that. So I'm not sure what it's called, but it wasn't like a Mark. It wasn't like a 5d Mark three or anything like that. It was actually the, the real Canon video camera. So he was operating one of those. So it was just a, it was a mixed bag of everybody. And then there was a lot of local LA, uh, from everybody that Laura brought in for crew were all from LA. So you had, uh, Germans, Parisians and Americans, uh, making up this crew. So, but it actually, it all flowed so well. And, and I've never really seen a big production like that flow so well. There's usually some major conflicts and major problems or some things going wrong and, and, uh, man, it just, it just really flowed well. And one thing that I really got to see, uh, on this photo shoot was how they, uh, <clears throat> the Europeans, uh, you know, they, they brought their shot list with them. They had a mock-up of every shot that they wanted. And all we had to do was replicate that or duplicate it. And the closer we got to it, the clo- the happier the, the, the president of the company was, so we weren't just shooting, you know, I know a lot of times, uh, you know, the, the way I've done it, you know, I'm guilty of it. You know, I'll storyboard some stuff. I'll get some, you know, it's some different shots for inspiration, but I don't actually mock up exactly what I'm trying to get. So it was a, a completely different way of looking at it. And I really liked the way they did it. It was very, uh, it was very efficient for you to be able to look and just kind of replicate what they wanted because, you know, these shots, you know, like I said, they're doing back plates and then they're doing uh, all this stuff for composition. And these, these, these photos are going to be going up in major magazines, billboards all over the world. And so, uh, they really need to know exactly what they want to begin with. So they need to know where positioning is. And, and so it was, it, it was actually very fun to see, how that was done. And, um, I've worked on some ad campaigns myself and I've worked on some ad campaigns myself, but, uh, nothing to this magnitude. Uh, this was a very, very large international ad campaign way out of the realm of what I've ever done in the past. And, uh, so it was just, it was really fun to uh, get that experience. And I can also say that it was great for the experience because it, it, it prepares me if I ever get the chance to shoot something like that myself. Now as a primary photographer, I really, uh, 
I, I could handle it. I think, um, I think if I would have been hired for this project, uh, myself, it would have been a little bit overwhelming and I've shot some pretty good sized stuff, but I still think, uh, I don't think I would have been completely a hundred percent ready to walk in on a shoot of this magnitude and, uh, and shoot it. I just, uh, but now I'm a lot more confident and I would actually love to consult a DP, whatever, on a couple of more of these shoots or as many as I can get on actually. Uh, it's, um, it, it just, it, you know, the more experience you can get under your belt, the better. And, uh, I, I feel like I could actually handle one of these now, uh, if I was hired for one, but, um, it was nice to get that experience and not have to deal uh, with the pressure of being the primary shooter. So anyway, uh, I really enjoyed the experience. Hopefully, uh, it'll bring a lot more, uh, blessings and opportunity in the, in the future. Uh, and if not, uh, I'm just thankful I got the opportunity to work on it. I can't wait till the video and the ad campaign releases next year in 2015. Uh, so, uh, I can put it all out there and everybody can see everything that we worked on and uh, how it came out. And, uh, so after that, as well as that one went, and that was Thursday and Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday was rehearsal. Friday was the shoot. And then, uh, I came back to Joshua tree. I was actually pretty tired cause it was a lot of work, uh, that we did over there in Mojave, but I got back to Joshua tree and then I had to turn around and go back to long beach, uh, on, uh, for Sunday for a wedding. And, uh, it was a wedding that I booked out a long time ago, like last summer. So it's, this thing's been coming up. Uh, and, uh, I was, you know, I was ready for it. Um, I got a, I got my, I had gotten a second. I had talked to, uh, Daniel McSween, my good friend, Daniel McSween back when I booked this, this wedding and asked him if he wanted to be the, be my second shooter on it. And, uh, he's, you know, he's kind of doing his own thing and he's got a new kind of a new thing going on. So he wasn't for sure, but he said if he was available, he would love to. Well, long story short, he's out of town working on his new endeavor, so he couldn't do it. So he recommended a a guy to me, Jung, uh, Kim, that was a guy that he knows, a friend of his. And, uh, if Daniel recommends him, then uh, I know he's got to be pretty good because Daniel's good. So I was, had all the confidence in the world in him. And, uh, so he met me a uh, Sunday and, uh, we, everything seemed to be on par for perfect. You know, I wasn't worried about anything. Everything seemed to be good. Uh, I did know the venue was outside and come to find out the venues outside and they had booked the venue, uh, and didn't, and didn't really think about the time change. Uh, and the time had, the time here just changed, you know, the time just changed a couple of weeks ago. And the problem with that time change is the ceremony was starting about five between five, five fifteen, and it starts getting dark about five, five fifteen. Okay. Well, the day of the wedding, the bride's running late. So by the time the bride got to the venue, because I, I took Zhang, Zhang went to the, uh, apartment where the, the groom and the guys were getting ready to do the BTS shots or the, you know, the, the getting ready shots for the guys. I went to the hotel where the bride was getting ready and was doing those shots. And I knew right there that the bride was running way late because, uh, it was four thirty and she wasn't even in her dress yet. So as soon as she got in her dress, then, uh, I got as many shots as I could. And then I ran down packed my gear up and took off to the venue, which was about 20 minutes away and got to the venue and was trying to get set up and everything. Um, and the bride got there and the, the more I was putting my gear together, the darker it was getting. So I was a little bit freaking out. And then they were, that they were actually standing on a bridge that was going over water. So there was really no place for me to get it. Literally there was no place I put a 70 to 24 2.8 on my camera and then I had a backup with a 50 millimeter uh, 1.8 on it and then I put Jung across the the water this little lake with his uh 80 to 200 millimeter 2.8 and on a tripod to to shoot with a shows a slow shutter speed at a high ISO, high ISO uh so we could try to get some you know some shots that way but 
and I really never actually had a chance to just get settled before they started because the bride was running late. So as soon as she got there, they just started it and, um, come to, you know, a long story short, I was on the bridge, basically shooting up their nose because there was no other place for me to get. And my camera was literally having a very, very, very hard time focusing because I had turned the illuminator off that uh, helps the the uh, autofocus assist light that will help the the lens focus. I turned all the lights off because I didn't want to, you know, usually, you know, when you're shooting a wedding, you don't want flashes or anything going off. So it was, it was, it was, it was very challenging is all I'll say. Uh, and my camera, you know, I couldn't get it to focus. So it, we did the best we could. Um, you know, we, we really did the best we could. The, the bride and the groom luckily completely understood because I mean, everybody that was out there could see that it was pitch black dark. I'm not talking about twilight. I'm not talking about a little bit of light. I'm talking, it was pitch black dark. And I was absolutely amazed that the venue did not set up some kind of lighting for the bridal party on this bridge for the photos. They absolutely had nothing. They had some very, they, they had those little plastic uh, line decorative lights that went around the railing of the bridge. And then they had a couple of spotlights that were on the, the floor of the bridge, but they, there was, they weren't even pointed at the, the party, the bridal party. So a long story short, it was very, 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 very difficult. Uh, and I had made a post on my, um, I'd made a post on my Facebook. I'd made a post in the photo junkie, the form, the group, uh, the photo junkie photo group on Facebook about, you know, make sure you're prepared, make sure you do all these things, check your equipment. So I'd done a complete equipment check. I'd done everything the next day. I figured I'd needed some, uh, I needed some more AAA batteries. So that was good. And then I get to, uh, I get to Long Beach and, uh, Jung, I just want him to use my cards and I've got a ton of CF cards and he said, you know, he's got a D 700. I had a D 700. So I figured we'd both use our D 700s. And then I use a D 7,000 as a backup and I was going to give him a D 5,100 as a backup, but he just figured he didn't need it. He was okay with what he had with his D 700. And, uh, it was, and it was crazy because I have two, I was going to give him a 16 gig card. I have about seven CF cards, but they're like two gigabytes, four gigabytes. And I have a couple of uh, 16 gigabytes, which will give you about 900 raw images or a thousand raw images, I believe somewhere in there. Um, and on, on one card and I, I was going to give him one of the 16 gigabyte cards and I couldn't find it to save my life. I, I, I was like, well, I knew I had two. I had one in my camera. So where's the other one? So long story short, we didn't find it. So he had to use like five different cards, uh, which I mean, he did, you know, I mean, but it was just a pain. I mean, he could have used one card like I did the whole night. Um, but uh, come to find out, I get home and my uh, camera strap, uh, which is a Gosh, I can't think of the name of it. I love it though. It's like a carry on. I can't think of the name of it. It's, it's an awesome camera strap. They, but they went out of business. They're not even a business anymore, but it's the side strap and it's got little pockets on it. So I had to zip the pocket down and put my 16 other 16 gigabyte gigabyte CF card in my camera strap pocket. So I had to give Zhang like six cards for him to shoot on. So I felt bad about that, but you know, those things happen, you know, when you're doing shoots, it never always works exactly like you're going to want it to work. But the funny, the funny irony of this story is, is I had really expected, um, I was really so worried about the, the ad advertise the ad campaign I was doing. I mean, I was dreading, dreading, dreading the ad campaign. I was just so worried about like what could go wrong with that. It just seemed like, uh, it was, it was a recipe for disaster and the wedding. I was completely 150% confident in that. I've shot so many weddings. I had no apprehension. I had no uh, worry about anything going wrong. Uh, I've had so many things, you know, in, in weddings that, that went one way or the other. And, and, you know, you just improvise and you just, you fix it and you, you make it work. 
So I had absolutely, I had absolutely no apprehension or no real worry about the wedding. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm big into MMA. I've been big into MMA. I've worked, I've worked in MMA for years and I've watched MMA fighters or even football, any kind of sports, you know, you take a football team and, and they're like, uh, undefeated. And then they play some little, you know, smaller school and they get beat because they overlooked them. Well, I guess, you know, that's a lesson to be learned because I usually don't book photo shoots, big photo shoots that close together. Uh, but I guess I kind of overlooked the wedding. Like I was going to, you know, knock that one out of the park and it was that campaign that I was worried about. And it absolutely been, it absolutely ended up being right the opposite. Like the ad campaign went like clockwork and the wedding, uh, was a very challenging, uh, we did it. I'm not going to say we didn't do it and get it done, but you know, the ceremony part of the wedding could have been a lot better. And I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, uh, but there just really wasn't a lot we could do. I took a whole set of outdoor strobes, my location strobes with me, but there really wasn't even any place to set up my strobes because it was a bridge and there was water going under the bridge. There was one little island out in the middle of the water that if Jung could have stood out there, he would have been probably pretty good to get some really good shots, but they wouldn't give us access to the little island. So he had to stand all the way back on the sidewalk, which was a good, um, God, it was probably 35 or 35 yards across there, 25 yards. It was a ways. I mean, it would have been a, it would have been a good chunk to get a football to him if I had to throw the football at him. So it was just a, it was a, not an ideal situation for a couple of photographers trying to shoot a wedding. So, uh, it was a, it's a beautiful venue. It's at Cal state long beach and it's Japanese garden type thing. And just a beautiful, beautiful venue for a wedding, but not at night, but not at night. They don't put enough light up for, for, to, to capture the wedding. So it was, it was, it was a challenge, you know, once the wedding was, once the, the, once the ceremony was over, I was able to get my speed light adjusted, uh, get things going and, 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 and really, you know, knock out some great pictures for group photos and stuff. But in a wedding, the ceremony is the, is, it's the most important part. And, you know, it just, I'm not happy with the way the ceremony went. I'm happy with, with everything else. We got amazing photos on everything else but just not happy at all with the way the ceremony went. It just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. But hopefully, you know, the bride and the groom will be happy with everything they got. We shot a lot of pictures, so, you know, they've got a lot of pictures. And uh, and I did get pictures of, you know, of the ceremony. It just, they just, I wasn't in an ideal situation. I was like kneeling down under at their feet uh, in, on this little bridge. So basically I was shooting all my pictures up their nose, which is a big faux pas in photography to begin with, but there was no other place for me to get. If I stood up, I would be blocking everybody's view. So, and I ended up having to turn my flash on. I didn't want to shoot with a flash. Nobody wants to shoot a ceremony with a flash, but it was pitch black. I had no other alternative but to turn my flash on. So in the end, I turned my flash on and, uh, and that's the way it went. Um, not some of my best work, but I swear I did the best I could. And Jung can testify like how hard it was. And, and like, uh, you know, his, you know, his, his shots, you know, hopefully I was hoping he was going to save me, but they've got so much noise in them. So it is what it is. But as far as everything else, they got some amazing pictures. So hopefully they will, uh, hopefully they'll still be happy. Um, so anyway, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a short break and, uh, we'll be right back. Twisted to a minute, you walk away. 
All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, the next order of business I'm going to talk about are the this new series of Sigma lenses, the Sigma Art Series Prime lenses. They're getting a lot of uh, a lot of buzz. Uh, everybody's talking about them. I guess because of the price point compared to uh, the Nikon and the Canon L glass. Um, they're really supposed to be really top-notch lenses. I haven't actually got to put my hands on them, so I can't go into any, I can't delve into any specifics. Just going to give a quick, uh, you know, just a quick opinion, my opinion, uh, from, from what I've heard, uh, and just say that I'm excited that a third-party lens is actually making glass that's actually as good as the manufacturer of, uh, you know, the, the main manufacturer that we have a third-party glass now. I've always liked Sigma lenses. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, back when I got into photography, um, you know, all the way up till I would say now, like if you were shooting Sigma or Tamron or any of the other third-party lenses, people would really frown up frown on you because oh you got what you paid for uh you weren't a real photographer if you were using basically knockoff uh, lenses or you know that kind of thing so there was a lot of people frowning on uh you know people using the third-party lenses but evidently they've really come up and uh, this new art series from what i understand is either just as good as the nikon nikon and canon glass and in some instances, maybe even better. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I know, uh, you know, their price point is, I believe, a, like right at about half of what you'll pay for the Canon versions of, uh, you know, the same lenses. So there's a there's a big stir about these lenses that a lot of people are really excited about them. The other lens that I'm kind of excited about that I'm not sure if I'll ever pick up or if I'll ever buy it, but, uh, man, it, it just, it really interests me. And that is this new Sigma. Uh, it's a 120 to 300 constant F 2.8 aperture lens and it sells for, I believe 35, right at $3,500, 3,600, maybe 3,500, 3,599, maybe. Uh, and if you look at that compared to like a 300 millimeter 2.8 Nikon Nikkor that I had, guy, I sold that I sold that lens for six grand, and I bought a 1966 Mustang with the money that I part part of the money that I used was from the sale of that lens. And when I used to shoot UFC and stuff, that was a lens I used. Uh, and uh, when I saw the price starting to drop on that lens, I decided to get rid of it pretty quick and I was and decided I probably wouldn't shoot any more UFC. Uh, and, uh, if you're shooting, if you're shooting those events like UFC, um, what you have to understand is there's only so many cage passes that people get the media passes. So, uh, you're doing pride was the same way. Uh, I'm talking about fighting for anybody that's listening to this. Uh, if you don't know anything about the fighting photography. I did that for many years and, uh, like UFC and pride and all of those elite XC. Gosh, there was a lot. Um, what was the other one? Um, that was done by Showtime, um, strike force. Yeah. So you had all of those shows. Uh, there's only so many spots for photographers to get Kate side. So a lot of times more than likely you'll end up in the balcony or the rafters with the 300, you better hope you have a 300 because a 200 is not going to get you there. So a 300 was the bare minimum uh, to really get some good, decent shots. Uh, 300 millimeter prime. Uh, F2.8. So that's what I shot with. And that's what I unloaded when I quit shooting uh, sports in the UFC. So uh, I wouldn't mind having this new Sigma 120 to 300 millimeter F2.8. And uh, from everything that I see, it's some very very sharp images for a zoom a, a, a zoom range lens now you're not you know it's not gonna I, if you do a hundred percent zoom if you take the pictures between uh, a prime and this 120 to 300 the prime's gonna win out if you're doing comparison but uh, everything that I've seen that this lens is shooting is pretty 
pretty amazing quality for it to be a 120 to 300 and have some zoom range there. So I've been looking at maybe trying to do some wildlife photography out here in the desert. And I've got one of those old crappy push pull. Uh, gosh, I think it's a two... 200 to 400 millimeter. I can't even remember, but it's not a very good lens. It's a F 5.6, I think, but you know, it's, it's soft, uh, when you're zoomed all the way out. So you kind of got to play with the middle of it, but that's kind of what I've been playing around with, but I would really love to get a real decent lens to go out and, uh, kind of carry around the desert with me and see what I can get, uh, with, uh, wildlife wise. And, uh, so I'm, I'm excited about all these new Sigmas. I'm not a big, I don't do a lot of prime lenses. I'm more of a 24 to 70 millimeter F 2.8 guy. That's basically my workhorse lens. That's been my workhorse lens for the last 15 years, I guess going on 15 years probably. And, uh, I just, I'm attached to that lens. I, I love the focal length of that, even on the, you know, on the crop body sensors, that's what I was shooting because, you know, it's just, it's just always been my go-to and, uh, it's my favorite lens, um, or the 28 to 70. I've had that one too, the 28 to 70 Nikon. Um, and the next order of business, I guess that's the end of that. That's all I really wanted to say is, you know, keep an eye out, um, I would love to test those, test these lenses, uh, you know, or, or get my hands on a couple of them and check them out. But uh, everything that I've seen, uh, they're supposed to be going after the Zeiss lenses, uh, which are, you know, three or four thousand dollars. So Sigma is really supposed to be trying to like match them optically. Now, I don't know how close they're going to get to that, but when you compare the price of a Sigma being nine hundred, eight or nine hundred dollars compared to a Zeiss being three or four thousand, is a Zeiss three or four thousand dollars better than the nine hundred dollar Sigma? From what I'm hearing, it's they're not. They're very comparable. Uh, the Zeiss might went over, but just by a very small margin. So that's exciting, and uh, to hear. Some of these people that are giving reviews saying that the Sigmas are actually better than the Nikon and the Canon L glass. Wow, that is uh, something I never thought I would hear anybody say about a Sigma because in past it's always been, you know, uh, Sigma was kind of a bottom feeder third party lens for those poor, poor souls that just couldn't afford the real stuff, the real, you know, the real Nikkor or Canon L glass. So, it's, uh, it's exciting to see what Sigma is doing. Uh, they've kind of revamped their company, uh, got some new blood in there, and uh, they're evidently really, really ginning along. So exciting news with Sigma. With that being said, I guess I should also mention that I'm not a camera snob or a photo snob or a, photo- or a f- photography snob. Uh, I've never looked down on anybody that was shooting the third-party lenses. I have a couple of them, uh, and, you know, they're not as good as the Nikkor. I can tell you that they're probably not as good as the Canon L glass. I can tell you that, but they do get the job done. You know what I mean? And with, uh, with what you can do in post and stuff and a little bit of sharpening now, unless you're really blowing images up and really, you know, hundred percent magnification and, and really, uh, spot checking them, you know, nobody's going to really see the difference is that's my opinion. And a lot of the stuff that we're putting, you know, we're putting it on the web anyway. So if you're putting it on Facebook or if you're putting it on any social media, they're compressing it anyway. So it's going to be losing a lot of quality as, as it is anyway. Now, if you're doing beautiful prints, if you're doing like a, you know, a 30, what a 30 by 45 or whatever, 46 foot or 46 inch print, a huge wall mural or something like that. Yeah. Then by all means, you want it as sharp as it can be. You landscape photographers that are, uh, you know, working with a lot of pixels and stuff, you're going to want the sharpest glass you can get. Completely understand that. So, you know, uh, it just depends on on what you need and what works for you. Uh, But I know, you know, Sigma has worked for a lot of people for many, many, many years that just couldn't afford the the higher end Nikkor or Canon L glass. So I have no problem with either one. Uh, I, I, I will say, I will say this. If, 
if uh, if I have the money, I will buy the Nikon glass. But if I don't, or if I need a backup, I have no problem buying a Sigma as a backup. I have a Sigma 24 to 70 millimeter uh, f2.8 that I actually used the other night uh, as a backup. So there you go. Uh, and the last order of business on this show is going to be uh, on, uh, let's see, it's not, it wasn't on F stoppers, but it was on SLR lounge. They have a video on there and it's a, uh, it's a new web series. I guess it's called behind the glass. And the ser- the episode that I saw that was on uh, SLR lounge was with Brad Smith. Who's the, he's the uh, DOP director of photography for sports illustrated. So this is a man who has, all of the ins and outs of the business. He knows everybody in the business, you know, and, and he is the upper echelon and he gives some quick advice on, uh, you know, things you can do to get your work seen, uh, you know, and what you should do to get your work seen. Should it be in, you know, on a website, should you be sending uh, out email links to, uh, to, uh, uh, creative directors or, or editors or, you know, for magazines, you know, what, you, how, how should you do this, uh, uh, to get your work seen? So he gives some great insights. So if you haven't seen that video, I highly, highly recommend checking it out on SLR lounge. I may go ahead and post it on my blog, but, uh, I kind of want to give SLR lounge the, you know, the credit for the video. And you can also see one of their videos on the new Sigma lenses, which I watched. And that's why I decided to add that to the show. So check out SLR lounge. I have no affiliation with them. I just, it's one of the sites that I go to for, uh, latest photography news and stuff, them and F stoppers and several other ones. Uh, so if you want to, uh, check out behind the glass with, uh, Brad Smith, Check it out on SLR Lounge. Uh, let's see. I guess that's going to wrap up this episode of Images Everything. We're right at about an hour. I uh, just want to uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, uh, I'm working on the podcast, trying to make it better, trying to make the production value better. Uh, I know one thing that would make it a lot better for you guys if I get guests on here because me talking to just talking points is going to get old. So I'm really working on getting some guests on here and working on getting some software to where people can actually call into the podcast. They don't, I don't actually have to go to them or they don't actually have to come into the studio. They can call in. So if you have any questions, if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, you know, hit me up, let me know. You can email me at ravholly at gmail.com and uh, just let me know you're interested in being on the podcast. Um, let's see, what was the last thing? Oh, you can uh, check out all of my stuff. Check out my uh, Facebook page, Rav Holly. You can hit me up on Twitter at Rav Holly. Check out my YouTube Rav Holly. All the social media is Rav Holly, Instagram, all that stuff. So be sure to uh, check me out. Tweet me, you know, let me know how you like the show. If you hate it, you love it. Let me know. Um, check out, uh, the photo group that I host in, uh, on Facebook. It's called photo junkie photo, uh, photo addicts only. And, uh, we're a great bunch in there. If you want to get in there and, uh, have a good, have some good times and look at some beautiful images, uh, come on in and, uh, you know, we're, we're a pretty cool bunch in there. So come on in to send us a request and, uh, join us in photo junkie, uh, on Facebook. So, uh, hopefully, like I said, next week or at least the week after I'll have the new software and I'll be able to have some guests call in and, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get some, some really good guests on the podcast here in the near future. And that'll really add some, uh, value to it. So anyway, I'm going to wrap this one up and, uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you so much for your support. I put some donation, uh, buttons on the page cause I don't really get paid for the podcast. I'm doing this for, uh, for my own soul, I guess. It's a lot like photography was for me when I started in photography. Uh, it was a, it was a hobby that I loved. I never really looked at turning it into a career. And, uh, and I did, and it's been a very, very lucrative career for me over the years. And, uh, I really, I really love photography and I really enjoy it. And so, but it's, it's my career. So, uh, this, 
podcast now is somewhat my hobby and something I'm pouring my heart and soul in and trying to learn. I'm not a professional broadcaster. I've never been a professional broadcaster. Don't claim to be a professional broadcaster. But, uh, you know, I'm producing this show. I'm doing it. I'm a one-man show here. I'm doing everything, and I'm just kind of learning it as I go. So hopefully it'll get a lot better. It's not great now, but hopefully it'll get a lot better. I can say we've had, uh, you know, over 200 downloads. So that's pretty awesome. I'm pretty stoked about that. And the other thing I wanted to say is I put up a couple of donation buttons on the website because like I said, unless I start selling some advertising to the podcast, uh, you know, it's, it's basically done for free. I produce it. You listen for free. I don't charge anything on iTunes to download the podcast. They're all, it's all free. So, uh, but somebody out there anonymously has donated. I got one donation for $25 and I got another donation for $50. So the $70, I put it right back into the podcast and whoever you were, if you want to email me and tell you who you were, I would love if, you know, I would love to, uh, if you donate or something like that, I would actually love to plug something on the podcast. So if you have something you want to plug on the podcast, if you want to buy some advertisement on the podcast, you know, and you donate, let me know and I'll be sure to plug it on the podcast. So, um, and if you, if you want an ad spot on the podcast, email me and let me know because I would love to put your ad at the beginning of the podcast. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Images Everything. So we will see you back here next Thursday at 3 p.m. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.